play bench. There's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. You can put in the wind call. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. Happy Monday. It is uh, your Canada Day plus two Monday. July 3rd, 2023, we're underway this hour on Flames Talk, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back from Nashville, made it safe and sound and avoided any of the uh, hellish travel escapades that many other had to go through. So we're back safe and sound in Calgary in our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg and Ryan Pike also safely back from Nashville. Hello, Pike. Hi, Pat. Was your travel safe and uh, routine? Safe, sound, routine. Uh, connections were perfect. Even mm. got in early on the way back. I'm, so. I'm jealous. We, uh, our, our connection in Vancouver was a little tight. We had to make a run to clear customs and get it to our gate in time. But the ca- the incoming flight that we were connecting with was also late. We did not know about that until we got to the gate, huffing and puffing, and noticed that the previous plane had just arrived. But... At the very least, we got some exercise and we got to sweat out the substances that we imbibed in Nashville. Yes, uh, there was lots of that going on. Uh, We're now more than 48 hours into free agency. And as expected, Flames have been a very quiet group. Uh, The one one one-way deal that they have signed was or is defenseman Jordan Osterley. He's going to join us very shortly here this hour on Flames Talk. So Jordan Osterley signs a one-year deal, and uh, that is the one one-way deal they've signed. They have signed Brady Lyle on this Wednesday, a defenseman on a two-way deal. They re-signed a few of the players that uh, they needed to re-sign, including uh, Martin Pospisil. That was uh, going back to the weekend as well. Troy Stetcher, Milan Lucic, Trevor Lewis, Matthew Phillips have all signed elsewhere. Stetcher signed a one-year deal with the Arizona Coyotes, Lucic, a one-year deal with the Boston Bruins, Lewis, a one-year deal with the LA Kings, and Matthew Phillips, the latest, a one-year deal with the Washington Capitals. We'll get to all of that uh, this hour, but I don't think the fact the Flames have been a rather quiet team is much of a surprise. I remember talking with Craig Conroy on the draft floor Thursday after the first, uh, sorry, the seventh round, the second day came to an end, and he said, hey, there's no big signings. We don't have the ability to make any signings, so we won't be doing anything big once free agency opens. They don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. Their cap space, even after the Toffoli trade, is tight, and then you take into account the fact that they're a little jammed up right now. They're in a situation um, where they're, Waiting on decisions from other players, namely Elias Lindholm. They are trying to figure out other things, making a decision specifically, I think, on Noah Hannafin. And those two players, or or what happens with those two players, is kind of holding things up when it comes, in, in my belief anyway, uh, when it comes to making other moves or other organizational decisions. So I think trying to figure out what they're going to do with Hannafin. Like, I think we know what they're going to do, but what it's going to look like, what that trade ends up looking like, and and consummating that deal at some point is holding some things up, and then waiting on Elias Lindholm's decision as to where he and his 
camps sit on the contract offer they have on the table and thus um, making their decision on what they want to do with Lindholm. Those two things holding them up. So this was Craig on Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome when he spoke to us just after 1 p.m. on Saturday afternoon and, and was asked about being a quiet group in free agency. And at this point, they hadn't signed anybody. This was Craig Conroy, the GM, on Saturday. Even going into the free agency, we kind of knew you know, our situation, we weren't going to be really active in free agency this year. So we, you know, we went in with that mindset and, you know, obviously we made calls, talked to agents and talked to players, but with our cap situation and the way we've, you know, with all the guys that we have signed, uh, we're, we're tight on the cap, like a lot of teams, you know, we didn't have a lot of room. So, you know, we explored different options, but, but nothing, uh, you know, this is a day when there's a lot of money spent and we didn't have a lot of money to spend. And that's that last question. A lot of money spent, and we didn't have a lot of money to spend. And so, yeah. Pike, when you are jammed up against the cap, A, and B, you're also in a spot where you've got a number of other organizational things floating over you that are really, really important, kind of makes it difficult to do a whole lot when you're throwing money around come July 1st and July 2nd. It's kind of hard to get a lot of done, uh, a lot done rather at this time of year with those circumstances. Yeah. And I mean, if, uh, you know, if you're a player who's uh, without a contract right now and you're looking around and, or even if you're, if you're another team and you're trying to make a deal with the flames, you're looking at the flames cap structure, you're looking at the flames roster. I mean, sure. There are the, the magnificent six that the flames still need to deal with. Uh, there's six RF or the six pending UFAs. UFAs and I, year. and I think Oliver Shillington is probably in his own category because of his unique circumstances. But he is, he is one of the six guys. He, he might be the last guy they deal with. Cause he seems like someone you deal with around Christmas time. Once you sort of get a sense of how he's doing and how he's fitting in. But beyond that, I mean, the other five, you know, they, Craig said himself on Saturday, they have contracts. They, if they show up on, uh, on September 15th or September 22nd, when main camp opens, uh, you know, there's, they have jobs. And if you, you got to wait till spots are open or opened up before you do anything else. And, you know, there's dominoes that need to be toppled that are just jammed yep. up right now. And that's, that's kind of where the flames are right now. It's really not all that different to where they were just before free agency one summer ago. But in this case, I think they're taking a little bit, they're, they're definitely taking a different approach and they're being a little bit more proactive with it, but there's only so much proactivity you can have when there are other parties involved in the conversation as well. Okay, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. My name is Pat Steinberg. Ryan Pike across from me. Uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, very happy to say hello to our next guest. Uh, this is the first one. One-way contract the Flames have signed in free agency. Jordan Osterley signed a one-year deal with the Flames on Sunday. And now he joins us here on Flames Talk on this Monday. Uh, we're talking to the newest member of the Calgary Flames right now. Jordan, appreciate the time this afternoon. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Pat. Uh, I'm doing good. It's uh, a long weekend here in the state as it, uh, it was for Canada. So uh, just enjoying uh Monday. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I guess uh, tomorrow is Independence Day, so you get the long uh, you get the long weekend in the states. Give us, uh, and I guess on top of all of that, you get to celebrate uh, a new contract with the Calgary Flames. Tell us about tell us about signing with the Flames and and how it all came about. Yeah, it's uh, obviously an exciting time for my family and I, and um, it came together pretty quickly. Um, and obviously, uh, 
Um, I stressed to my to my agents that I wanted to go to a team that was um, competing and, and, and trying to win. And obviously, Calgary has their own thing going on right now. But, um, you know, the team's still um, very similar to it has been in the last couple of years. And um, it's, it's never a fun place to go play against them. So I'm happy to be on that side of things and, and be joining the Flames. So, yeah, I guess give us a little bit more in terms of what you know about this group and, and what you know about the city of Calgary. Yeah, so the group, I don't know I don't know many guys personally, obviously playing against them for a number of years. Um, you know, it's always, a, it's always a pain in the ass to play against the Flames. You know, they, they, they build a, a tough brand of hockey. Um, but as for Calgary in general, um, I have former former teammates that uh, that are from Calgary and um, I've talked to them over the past two days and um, they, they've spoken very highly of it and every time we've come into town um, I've enjoyed my time and I'm excited to get uh, to get back into a Canadian market and uh, uh, to play in Calgary and experience uh, the, the city. So not not a lot of guys on the team right now that you're pretty familiar with or, or know too well, hey? Yeah, exactly. So um, getting about uh, twenty new friends, and uh, it'll be fun to to meet to meet new guys. Now you've been you started your NHL career with the Oilers, so you'd have a little bit of an idea on the Battle of Alberta. You've played in a couple of them, if I remember correctly, on the Edmonton side. So you're 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 aware of the the Calgary Edmonton rivalry, right? I have, yes, uh, yeah. So now I'm uh, I'm joining the other side, and and I'm happy to be on this side. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm definitely excited to get back into that type of rivalry. Obviously, uh, my previous teams there wasn't there wasn't much rivalry going on with uh, with other teams as it kind of dissipated. But um, you know that battle of Alberta is is, is, is alive and, um, and I'm ready to go. We're chatting with Jordan Osterley. Signs a one-year contract with the Flames over the weekend, and one of the newest members of the team joining us here on Flames Talk on this Monday. So, Jordan, tell us uh, tell us about yourself, and and uh, for Flames fans who may not be familiar, what uh, what can they expect from Jordan Osterley on the blue line? Yeah, I think um, you know what a good two-way defenseman. Uh, obviously, that's pretty cliche. Everyone kind of says that, but. Um, that's what I try try to strive to do. Obviously, take care of my defensive end, um, be good at breaking pucks out, and uh, get the puck into the forwards' hands. We make a lot of money and and can do a lot of good things with that thing. So, um, get it get it into their hands. And obviously, uh, I have some pretty good skating ability. So I try to try to provide some offense and just get up into the rush whenever I can. Um, my numbers don't speak for um, obviously as much as I try to jump in there, but um, just. To, provide that extra layer and uh, to be really strong defensively and, um, you know, just always be uh, a team-first guy. Um, I enjoy blocking shots, uh, doing the, the little things, so I'm excited to, wherever they see me see fit, um, help this team get some wins and uh, get back into the playoffs. You talked about the skating. Uh, has that, that's that's always been a, a really big strength of the year, of, of your game, hey? Yeah, it has. Um, I've been lucky enough to, I think it's helped um, continue to help me stay around uh, getting to 31 years old now. Um, you know what, I feel great, and I, I don't feel that I don't feel my age. Uh, I look in the mirror, and, I, and it's, it's gone fast. But, um, yeah, so my skating has been, been one of my strongest assets and helped me to uh, continue to evolve to how fast this game has uh, has gotten. 
you're uh you're a left shot D-man, but you can play you can play both sides, right? Like you're you're comfortable playing the right side as well? Yeah, yeah. I played uh I played probably fifty fifty both sides uh, throughout my career. So um, you know what there's obviously not a lot of kind of um right handed defensemen uh, in the NHL and kind of in general, but um so I've been able to adapt to that side and um honestly, like I said earlier alluded to earlier, um wherever the team sees me play on I'm willing to jump in, and I mean, I've even dabbled. <laughs> I've even dabbled that forward when when we were in a crunch on on my former team. So, what, so how many how many times have you uh, had to jump up front? Um, I think maybe just like three or four. Okay, uh, it's just one of those situations where we're in a pinch, and uh, it's a little too late to call someone up from the uh, from the minors. So, um, and that's where I I think my skating ability helps me adapt. Yeah, to whatever situation I'm thrown into. I want to ask you about the last couple of years that you played in Detroit. I, I would imagine. I mean, for you, pretty pretty close to dream come true stuff. You're a Detroit guy, Detroit minor hockey guy. You played Western Michigan. Uh, it, it must have been pretty cool to have everything come full circle and get two years with the Red Wings. Tell us about tell us about playing in essentially your hometown, the place where you grew up, and and playing for the team that I imagine you would have followed growing up. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, it was a dream come true. And so to be able to kind of check that off my bucket list and have the chance to do that, obviously just playing in the NHL in general is a dream come true. But to have that opportunity, um, you know what, I enjoyed my time. And, um, and you know what, those two years were really fun for my family and I. And, and we really um, take, we, we made the most out of it and, and had a lot of fun and, and spent a lot of time with family time that we haven't had in the last couple of years. But um, like I said, I'm excited to get back to to a Canadian a Canadian market and to a, a team that's 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 ready to win now, and um, that's something I've been um, itching for the last couple of years, and um, haven't really had the chance to do that uh, yeah. in my previous uh, two teams. So, what uh, what goes into being an NHLer playing in his hometown? Lots of guys talk about it's awesome, but there's also a flip side. Some yeah. of the distractions. Did you uh, did you experience that? Yeah, there's you know there's a lot of ticket requests. There's a lot yeah. of family that think uh, you know just because you're home, you're able to go to all the family events and you're always available. But um, it's like they forget that the the NHL schedule is still demanding as it was uh, when you're playing in another city. But um, so yeah, uh, besides the ticket events and uh, the, the ticket requests and a lot of family in the family room. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely it was, it was fun. How'd you uh, how'd you like the way you played on the ice or the way you performed on the ice the last couple of years? Yeah, it's been. Uh, I thought I've been good. Um, obviously, last year um, I've been able to. Uh, I played a little bit more last year than the previous year. I've kind of um, on Detroit. I was kind of in that five, six, seven, seven spot. So um, I was in and out of the lineup a good amount, but. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm in there, I feel very comfortable, very confident in my game. Um, and you know what? I I don't think I'm I'm far off to to how I've been playing. And you know what? Um, defensively, I think I'm playing my my best hockey um, of my career, and that makes me really excited to for the future and for this year. 
We're chatting with uh, new Flames defenseman Jordan Osterley. He's joining us here on Flames Talk on this Monday. It's funny, you take a look at, you know, you, you were a college guy, so you you make the, the pro jump a little bit later than other guys. But the last, last four or five years, it feels like things have really clicked for you. You haven't seen an American League game since 2017. It's been uh, only the NHL since that point. Can you remember when things really click for you? Like, is there a, a time or a, a stretch of time where you're like, yeah, okay, this is this is me, and, and I know that the NHL is where I belong? Yeah, I think it was probably um, my second year um, with the Edmonton organization. Um, you know what, I had I had some games my first year, and I, I knew I was, I was not ready for this. I was like, that's a little too much for me. I need to go back to America. Maybe I need to develop a little bit more. And get my confidence, and um, so I think my second call up, I was up from the trade deadline for the rest of the season, and um, you know what, Edmonton was obviously going through a rebuild at that time, so I was I was able to play 20, 25 minutes a night while I was there, and it really, uh, really in my mind, solidified me uh, as an NHL player, and it, it took another year to, uh, in the minors to get that chance with Chicago, but um, yeah, I think my second year really. Uh, in my mind, established that confidence that I'm an NHL player and I just need to, to prove it to everyone else. Well, and, and as as I mentioned, you haven't seen the American League in in more than five years. You're you you, you weren't drafted in this league, and yet here you are. You've been a full time mm-hmm. NHLer for the last half decade. I'm just like, do you do you carry that as kind of like a, a piece of pride that hey, yeah, I, I wasn't necessarily drafted. Maybe I am a little bit of a of a late bloomer, but here you are. You're still in the NHL. You've been in the NHL exclusively for more than five years now. Now, is that a chip on the shoulder type thing? Is that a motivating type thing? I'm curious as to your perspective on that. Yeah, I think early on in my younger days, I used it kind of as a chip on the shoulder. Um, But I think now I just use it as motivation. I mean, um, like I said, I'm just blessed to be in the NHL and and have a locker locker in that that league. Um, You know, it's the greatest league league in the world. And uh, to be in the league for this long has been uh, a dream come true. And so, so yeah, I just use it as motivation. I think we lost, uh, I think we lost Jordan. We'll try to uh, reconnect with him in just a second. That, uh, that did not sound like a very, um, that did not sound like a, a, a very good noise that you want to hear. He's calling back right now. We'll uh, reconnect with Jordan Osterley right now. I'll uh, re-ask him that question and just uh, dive into that because uh, yeah, would, uh, would really like to hear that answer from Jordan. Cause uh, yeah, he, He's been in the NHL exclusively for the last little bit. We've got Jordan back. Uh, just maybe, uh, just maybe start that response again, Jordan. About you know, uh, you you had talked about how maybe earlier in your career uh, you looked at it as more of a chip on your shoulder, but now you're just motivated and and just happy to be at the NHL level. Yeah, exactly that. Um, like I alluded to earlier, I don't really uh, earlier in my career I used it as a chip on the shoulder. Now I just use it as uh, as motivation to continue to keep going. Obviously, there aren't a ton of players that. Um, get to make it to the NHL being undrafted um, three different times. So, um, you know, I, I, I keep that in my back pocket as, uh, as a lot of pride and um, that I've been able to succeed. But, you know what, I'm still hungry and I still want more in this league. And, um, you know what, so I'm looking forward to doing that and doing a lot more in Calgary. Well, tell us about the opportunity that you see for yourself here in Calgary. What, uh, what jumps out at you about uh, what you've got in front of you with the Flames? Yeah, um, you know what, I've alluded to it earlier with other uh, interviews that 
Um, you know, and I'm very versatile. Um, like I've said, I've, I've gone in and out of the lineups. I've played anywhere from top four to six D-man, so I can play left and right. But, you know what, there just seems to be some opportunity to, to grab a role and, um, and to provide whatever value I can to this team and, and help get wins. I mean, I, I said earlier I want to be on a, a winning team and a winning organization. And, um, this team wants to win, and, and I want to be on a team with a uh, winning culture and, and a good environment. And, um, and I see there, there's opportunity for me to grow and um, show what I can do uh, for this team. That's awesome. Uh, what uh, what does the rest of the summer look like for you? Where where do you where do you summer? Like, are you back in Michigan? Do you summer elsewhere? What does the next number of months look like for you, Jordan? Yeah, no, we summer in Michigan. So uh, you know, I've been I've been in Michigan for two years. I'm ready to get a change of scenery. So uh, <laughs> my wife and I are excited to get to Calgary. We'll probably uh, come out there shortly uh, to figure out our living situation, and then. Um, move out there full time uh, sometime in uh, mid to late August and um, enjoy what Calgary has to offer. And um, yeah, so in the meantime, I'll just be uh, enjoying the summer, training, skating, getting ready for another another grueling NHL season, and uh, working on my golf game. Well, uh, good luck on on all fronts in that respect. Uh, appreciate the time. Really do. Uh, glad we could reconnect with you after you dropped there. And uh, thank you for calling back. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the Flames. Uh, we'll see you out here in Calgary really shortly. And enjoy the rest of your summer, Jordan. Thanks so much for doing this today. Yeah, thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. Uh, have a good summer, and I'll see you in the fall. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. That is uh, Jordan Osterley, now of the Calgary Flames, signed a one-year deal with the Flames on Sunday, and that is the uh, first and to this point only one-way contract the Flames have added in unrestricted free agency, a one-year $925,000 deal for Osterley, who started his pro career after his time at Western Michigan with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, played a couple of seasons, split between there and their AHL team, then in Oklahoma City before really Pike. He's been an NHLer full-time since leaving Edmonton. He uh, went to Chicago after that. He's been in Chicago, Arizona, and the last two years in Detroit since leaving the Oilers and has not seen the American League since, uh, I guess actually going back, they also were in Bakersfield. So has not seen the American League since he was with the Oilers, since uh, signing with Chicago. He's uh, been kind of an exclusive NHLer. His career high in games was 18-19, where he played 71 with the Coyotes, had 20 points, a career high that year as well. Last year played 52 with the Red Wings, had two goals and 11 points. Yeah, and uh, like he said, he was sort of uh, sort of a utility guy there. He played mostly on the third pairing for the Red Wings, but he played a lot with three or four different guys, uh, depending on who he was playing with. He was on the left side or the right side. It was about 50-50 last season. And by all accounts, he he, uh, he accounted for himself very well. It was, let's if we're calling a spade a spade, the Detroit Red Wings were not the 1990s Detroit Red Wings last season. They haven't been for a while. And so he's one of those guys that's really taken advantage of the opportunity to sort of show what he can do. And, you know, I think he's going to be someone that, you know, especially if you're the Flames, you have you know, a bunch of guys that can play either side. Uh, you have a bunch of guys that can play in different game situations. And then you have someone like Osterley that you can basically sort of throw into virtually any role you need him to. He's probably a, a third pairing guy, uh, barring any, uh, any departures in the off season. And we'll get into that momentarily. Uh, we'll, you know, he probably slots in on paper as the seven right now. 
But, but who knows where <laughs> things are going to go? Exactly. And if you're if you're heading into the kind of off season, if you're, I think I imagine the sales pitch to his camp was something along the lines of, "Well, we're not sure what's going to happen, but if you play well, there's going to be opportunities for you to get a bigger role if other guys move out." Yeah. And you know, there's. I think he's for a team that you're getting Oliver Shillington back. That's great, but you don't know what he's going to be right away. Having someone like Osterley, who's such a consistent, reliable presence, he he's sort of a a really and versatile and yeah, the, the the versatility and the consistency that he brings is really, I think, going to be a boon for Ryan Huska's staff this year because he seems like he'll be someone that can really be relied upon to do a lot of different things when they need him to. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, and I mean. We don't know what's happening with Zadorov. His name's been out there. We don't know what's happening with Tanev. I think his name uh, needs to continue to be thrown into the potential trade list this summer. And obviously, we're waiting on what's going to happen with Hannafin, and he's the number one thing that needs to get determined before they can start making any other more significant moves on the back end. So thanks to Jordan Osterley for, for joining us from Michigan. Uh, thanks to Peter Hanlon for making that happen. And Jordan joined us this hour on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Steinberg and Pike along with you on this Monday edition of the program. If you're listening live, text lines open at 960-960. If not, uh, thanks for being with us wherever you might be getting us. Apple or Spotify or Google or Amazon or whatever podcast service you like to use. Thanks for being with us. Uh, where are we on some of these Flames roster decisions? Lots to get into. Let's kind of uh, go through some of these things right now. Let's start with Elias Lindholm, who is... There's kind of... I don't even know if it's 1A, 1B. There's a, there's a top tier that the Flames need to figure out. And we already know they they made the Tyler Toffoli deal last week. So Tyler Toffoli, just, over a, just under a week ago, was dealt to the New Jersey Devils, as we know. Um... So where do things sit with Elias Lindholm? Because the team remains waiting for a decision from him. And I that really hasn't changed. Like it's been a couple of weeks now since they put a pretty significant offer on the table to Lindholm. And since that time, they've been waiting. Uh it's an eight-year deal. It's in the eight and a half to nine million dollars range, nine million dollar range on the AAV. So we're led to believe. And the Flames wait. They wait for decision he's mulling it over uh this was craig conroy when he spoke to us on saturday was asked a couple of questions about lindholm so keep in mind this is on saturday but this was the latest from the gm when it comes to the lindholm situation no updates i actually talked to elias today though on on the phone so other than that you know we're just uh you know we're just keeping that lines of communication open at this point and and when it comes to elias there seems to be some parallels to control where uh no we're, we haven't set a i mean it's still early in the summer we're not setting deadlines or you know <laughs> drop dead dates we're just continuing to talk and, and moving forward and seeing you know what their side wants to do and, and what we what we want to do that's all it's we're, we're in a good place i think just moving forward do you have a you have a gut feel on this one, Pike? Because I do not have a gut feel on the way this one plays out. Like it feels 
50-50 to me at best. Because I do yeah. I do know that Lindholm has not closed the door. I do know that Lindholm still has interest in re-signing here. Um and, and it's not like it's not like he is mulling this contract over just to piss off Craig and the Flames. Like I do think part of him, I don't know how much of him, but I, I do believe part of him is very interested in remaining with the Flames long term. So I don't think the door has been slammed shut. There's still an open door in, in in terms of him returning. I just don't have a gut feel on which way he's initially going to lead. Like for instance, mm-hmm. a year ago, my gut feel was Johnny was going to stay. Well, my gut feel was wrong. Uh, it, it, he was going to stay, and then he wasn't. But yeah. no, that that gut feel was and, wrong. But I do not have one when it comes to Lindholm. Yeah, and I'm I'm sort of on the same boat. I, I try to put myself in his shoes because on one hand, like on the ice, he he's had probably more success here than I think even he anticipated when he arrived here from Carolina in 2018. He's been a very good player, top first over the boards in every game situation. He was the runner-up for the Selkie Trophy behind uh, future Hockey Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron a year ago. He had, you know, he was, he's been uh, on the ice exactly what the Flames would have hoped him to be in their wildest dreams when they acquired him. And I think, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I think uh, it's been mentioned uh, regarding Noah Hanfin. I think uh, I'm going to steal the phraseology from our friend Elliot Friedman, where, you know, the, the Calgary Flames have been good for Elias Lindholm, and Elias Lindholm's been very good for the Calgary for Flames. Sure. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, I don't think we're telling tales out of school when we say that the last two seasons under Daryl Sutter have been challenging. And even if you if you extend it, it, that window back a bit, I mean, you know, since Elias Lindholm arrived in Calgary, there has been uh, Bill Peters resigning in disgrace. There has been a pandemic. There has been a bubble season. There has been a lot of stuff. There's been a, you know, and then a mid a mid season coaching firing with Jeff Ward. Yeah, and I mean, so in the middle of that bubble there, season, there has been a lot of just stuff happening around Elias Lindholm, and you know, he if he signs an eight year deal. He'll sign a, a seven-year deal in free agency or an eight-year deal uh, with the Flames or buy a trade of some kind. Yeah. Uh, that's his, that's the rest of his career. He's going to be, you think he's, you'll be 27 or 28? No, I believe about 29 when the so contract will that will bring him now. So that'll bring him through his 37-year-old season. So yeah. that's, that's the rest of his career. So essentially what you're sitting down, if you're Elias Lindholm, sitting at the dinner table uh, with your better half and going, By the way, Elias turns 29 in December. Where do you want to be for the rest of your professional life? Yep. And that's that's a big question. And when you factor in how challenging off the ice the last two seasons have been in Calgary, and then maybe extend that out for the last few seasons, you know, I I can understand him not going. Yeah, sign me up for more because I I think one of the things that we'll probably be hearing, and I think we have been hearing through through our insiders over the last little while, is a lot of Flames players penning UFAs going. Let me see how the the next little bit is because you know you you're sure that you know the the environment will be different behind the scenes with Ryan Huska as head coach. How different? Different how? How it'll be? And until I know if I'm Elias Lindholm, what the work environment's gonna be like? What what's the what what's my day to day gonna be like? Is it gonna be is it gonna be fun again? Is it gonna be a competitive team? There's a lot of questions, and you know. I can understand wanting some answers to some well, of those questions before you commit till be 37 or 38. For the right? rest of your career, as you yeah. said. And and I don't think the Flames have a, a gut feel as it stands right now. I honestly think the Flames are very much in the same spot where they're like, 
yeah, we're waiting and seeing. And and we don't know how it's all going to play out. We don't know if, if he's going to end up signing. So let me read you this text at 960-960 where it says, why are the Flames waiting? Grow some stones and just trade the guy. At some stage, you have to take control of your own situation as a team. Same thing happened with Johnny. Stop waiting. That was all in capital letters. That's what the text says. The Flames say, and, and the Flames are not, as it stands right now, pressuring Lindholm's camp or giving him a hard deadline. We need to know by this time what the case is going to be. We need your decision by July 15th or July 30th or June 3rd. Like they, they have not given the Lindholm camp any type of deadline, which I honestly believe is the right play because I don't think it does you any good if your ideal scenario is to bring Lindholm back, which the Flames want to bring Lindholm back. I don't think giving him and his camp a hard deadline and say, okay, we want you back, but if you're not signed by date X, we're trading you. I don't think that I don't think that's productive. Nope. However, nope. however, what I do think you need to have is an internal deadline. You don't need to you don't need to vocalize that to the Lindholm camp. You don't need to share with anybody outside of your management group what the internal deadline is, but I think you need and you still have lots of time. Because the draft was not as much of a flashpoint or deadline as I think some made it out to be. You've got a couple of months here. The the the, yeah, the, the Kachuk yeah. trade was made in July. The Kadri signing was done, and like you can get things done in in the next couple of months. So I don't think you need a hard deadline on Lindholm to him, but I do think you need an internal organizational deadline as to when you pivot. Okay, we really want you back. We really want you back. Okay, this time frame has passed. Now we're transitioning to making a trade. And if you tell us that you're going to re-sign while we're making the trade, we're awesome. That's great. But if we find a trade that we like, we're going we're gonna to pull the trigger on it. So yep. I, I, And I don't know what that is. To me, it's probably sometime in the latter stages of July that you set yourself kind of a, a floating deadline. If we haven't heard something definitive by then, we move into trade mode. That's yeah, the way I think yeah. you handle it. And, and I think, you know, don't don't forget, I mean, we got, uh, I don't think the Flames are going to have any cases, but there's the arbitration uh, the window opening up pretty soon. And then after that, I mean, teams who have arbitration awards get a second buyout. And so if you're a team that's been waiting for the Flames to throw Elias Lindholm on the open market... I think the deadline for doing a significant trade that isn't money in, money out is probably coming up in mid to late July simply because, you know, teams lose that get out of jail free card with money they're trying to clear up. So, but I agree with you. I think you, there's enough other stuff they want to go. I mean, if you look at the Flames roster on paper, bless their hearts, it looks a little bit underwhelming. I think they, they want to do some things and they can't really do anything with the money they have, with the deals they have, with the guys they have on paper uh, on the roster, simply because, you know, if you're trying to make a trade, if you're trying to convince someone to waive his no trade to come to Calgary or to sign as a free agent, what's the sales pitch? Don't worry, we'll be moving some guys. I mean, that's a that's not a great sales pitch. I'd want to know what my yeah. job is going to be before I agree to come. So uh, I think I think we're probably a few weeks away from reaching some sort of unofficial pinch point. But yeah, it's I don't uh, think we're there yet. It's coming. Either. It's coming. Um, if it's an eight year deal, like let's say I'll I'll throw two numbers at you: eight years times eight and a half, eight years times nine million dollars. Are either an overpay for you? When you take everything into account, the market, the situation, what Lindholm means to the team, what Lindholm is as a player, age, all that type of stuff. 
when you take everything into account, not just the, the measurables or this analytics guy's projections, I'm saying take everything realistically into account or either of those numbers in your eyes and overpay because I'm kind of of the opinion that they're not. As much as you might see something that says Lindholm is worth X, to keep him in Calgary, a guy a year away from unrestricted free agency who plays center, I think you're going to have to pay somewhere in the, the eight and a half, nine million dollar range. This is the center that they've been searching for since Joe Newendike left the organization in 1995. Yep. And, you know, the first thing you do after trading Elias Lindholm would go, damn, don't you wish we had a player like Elias Lindholm? So if you're, if you're willing to get the guy, and you're willing to develop him into the the mature pro he is now, and he's willing to stick around, I don't think $9 million would be a terrible number. I don't know how that contract's going to age, and a lot of these cap forecasts depend on the cap continuing to go up. But, I mean, in a very real sense, the cap is probably going to go up to, I think the estimate I saw was, it's going to go up between 4 and $5 million uh, between this season and 24 25 so the question is, are you comfortable on a four and a half or five million dollar cap increase giving three or three and a half million of that just to Elias Lindholm to keep him? Personally, I don't think it's a terrible idea. You have to do some other stuff around it. I mean, you know, we can t- we'll we'll have time over the off season to get into the the other things they need to deal with. Uh, but I I think he's so good and he touches so many parts of the game mm-hmm. and he's so good at the parts of the game that he touches that. I don't think he gets enough credit for like I I I think sometimes we undersell how good Elias Lindholm is. Especially he was second behind, you know, uh, Patrice Bergeron. The the hundred and ninety voters, two hundred some voters of the PHWA sat down and went, you know, it was great, Elias Lindholm. And enough of us voted for him. I didn't vote for him this year, but enough he was on enough ballots this year in a team. He was a top ten Selkie guy again after finishing runner up. And after the team just bluntly, just nothing really clicked for the Flames this year. He was, you know, the whole team was fighting it for eighty two odd games, and he was still tenth. That's impressive. Yeah, that's that might say more to me about how good Elias Lindholm is than his second place. So let's let's say that the. Let's say that the pinch point, as you called it, passes. And we get to this this date, and there's an internal deadline the Flames have. We get to this date, and they're like, okay, we got to pivot. We got to start making a trade. We got to start calling around. We need to maybe kick this thing to a new level uh, when it comes to trying to find a trade. What What's non-negotiable for you in a trade with Elias Lindholm? Because for me... I think if you're the Flames, you need to be getting a first-round pick back, no questions asked, in one of the next two drafts if you're trading Lindholm. And then what else on top of that, you know, you can start to, that becomes a little bit different. I I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my question. Yeah. So, I think if you just, if you, the reason why I think it's very very uh, savvy and prudent for the Flames to maintain a healthy dialogue with Elias Lindholm is you get more if you can sell him on an extension. You know why the Flames got a first-round pick, two good hockey players, and uh, a pretty good prospect for Matthew Kachuk? Granted, because Matthew Kachuk is really good, but because Florida was able to get an eight-year deal out of it. And so I think in if you get to the point where you're going, okay, Elias, you know, 
we kind of need we need to make a decision and so we're going to start looking at stuff i think you kind of want him maybe not you don't want him to be yeah i'm out of here but you want him kind of on board because if you can get a, get a team make you an offer and you talk to Lindholm's camp and go hey you willing to go to florida you going willing to go to carolina you willing to go to la right he doesn't have trade protection but if you engage him in the conversation then all of a sudden if there's a extension on the table maybe you get a little bit more in return if, if i'm if i'm trading for elias lindholm this summer i'm going to give you a lot more if i know he can have an extension or if i can talk to him early yeah and yeah, so yeah. No, that's but, very fair. but but i think i think if you're just selling him off first rounder and you probably want a decent prospect and a pretty decent roster player i'd say a Dylan Dubé level roster player and a good and a first and a A to A minus level prospect. But I think if he has an extension, you get you one get more big more. piece. Yeah. We're again, is Lindholm a number one center of the same variety of McKinnon or McDavid or a dry saddle or no, he's not of that level, but he's a number one center, I would say, on close to half of if the NHL roster if, if, and a really good center on the rest. Well, we talked about this with with uh, Michael Backlund's role of the last few years. If Michael Backlund's your three, that means you got two guys ahead of him that are pretty good. And if Elias Lindholm's your two, that means you probably have someone ahead of him who's like a franchise level, elite level center. Mm-hmm. He's a very very good center. Border, I don't know if he's elite, but he's still. I think he's still building out his game. And if you put him with the right guys, I mean, look at look at the twenty one twenty two season. You put him with with elite level players, his game goes up. He can he can connect elite level players really well. And if you're a team that has good wingers and you need a center to take care of all the music between the notes, he showed in twenty one twenty two that he's that an exceptionally good center when you put him with some players that can bury the stuff that he gives them. First time I've heard a new phrase. The last new phrase I can remember learning was when Rob Kerr talked about putting toothpaste back in the tube. I, I'd never heard that before. And that one, the music between the notes. I've never heard that. You are a wordsmith. I'm, I'm pretty sure I stole that from Dave Meltzer at some point. Well, it was very good regardless. Take the credit for it. Uh, that's the Lindholm situation is the Flames wait. Then there's Noah Hannafin. Where here's here's kind of where I understand things on the Hannafin front. I I do believe the Flames are are engaged in trying to move him because he's the one. You know, Backlund's mind isn't totally made up, and and sounds like they'd like to see if there is a way they can bring him back. And also, I think Backlund, from what I understand, even from the Backlund camp, like I, I think Michael's fine. If he comes back, he's going to be the same pro, the same good teammate, the same good community guy, the same King Clancy level human next year, even if he's on an expiring contract. And, and I don't think if you're the Flames, you need to make sure that you have a Backlund decision before the beginning of the season. I think you can go into next year comfortably, even if Backlund doesn't have an extension. And if you need to trade him before the deadline, you trade him before the deadline. Lots of teams would love to have that guy on their team. So, so Backlund's a little bit different, but you know, on the Hannafin front, he's the one guy that I think we're very, very confident is, is not going to be back after next season. If they play out his contract. So I think the flames are, actively trying to see what they can figure out on the Hannafin front. And I think they're determined, like determined not to rush this thing because this is a huge, the Toffoli trade was his first move, but this is 
the biggest first move for Conroy as general manager is the Hannafin trade. The Hannafin or Lindholm trade. But let's just assume that Hannafin goes first for the sake of this conversation. Like That is a massive first big move for a new general manager. I think other general managers are still trying to push Conroy around and, and, and still trying to take advantage of him because he's a rookie GM. He's been on the job for less than two months. And so I think the Flames are being deliberately patient here. The The offers were pretty underwhelming at the draft. And so I think Craig and the Flames are being really deliberate when it comes to their approach here. They're not going to rush it. They've got a price set that they believe is fair for Hannafin, and they're not just going to do it because it's July 3rd and pass free agency, or now it's almost the end of July. we got to move Hannafin. Like they, I, I think that they are being overly patient because they're really making sure that they don't get taken advantage of. And not even just that, but this is a huge trade for the organization. This is a huge decision and a huge move for the team. Don't rush it. Make sure that you get this one right. And that's where the flames are on the Hannafin front. And, yeah. and we'll, I, do I think like, yes, I, they're working, but does that mean that something is imminent? No, because or, nece- not necessarily, I don't know, but not necessarily because you are, going out of your way to slow play this and getting the best return you can. I'm going to put you on the spot of it. Mm-hmm. Are you able to venture a guess as to what they feel the the fair price would be? I mean, I don't know. Um, I do think, again, I think a first-round pick is almost non-negotiable when it comes to Hannafin. The only, the only thing that I think could offset a first-round pick is if you're getting a guy that's clearly the equivalent of a first round pick and who's still young and you still got lots of team control and maybe even entry level money on. Like if you can get a 19, 20 year old, who's clearly a first round high end prospect, then, then I think that you don't need a first round pick in return, but I don't know how many of those guys would be being moved. I think teams hold on to those guys a little bit more than they do something more speculative, like a first round pick. So to me, First rounder or equivalent is non-negotiable and there would need to be more. So like yeah. first round pick and a 22, 23 year old defenseman, not of the same caliber as Hannafin, but a guy who can play minutes or first round pick and a decent prospect or first in a second or something like that. Like yeah. a first round, yeah. like an A asset and then another good asset, I think is what the flame should be looking for with yeah. Hannafin. And and we heard that from, from we heard a version of that from Craig on the on the draft floor on Thursday when uh us non rights holder uh, folks talked to him. Uh he mentioned <laughs> us just the it was it was slow because you know, P- Pat, you you and I have been doing this for, for uh a, a little while. The idea, you know, folks, uh people have been talking about the twenty twenty three draft class for three, four years. Since these kids were 15, 16, people have been going, all, you know, any any scout has been coming to their GM, their their head of scouting, whoever, and saying, holy cow, this 2003 group, or 2023 group, do not move your first. And every everybody was telling their GM, don't move your first, don't move your first, don't move your first. And so it's really no no shock, I think, to a lot of folks that A, there was no trades on on uh, on Wednesday with the during the draft, and B, that uh, basically everyone held on to their first rounders who hadn't traded them already. But my my thought process is okay now that A that log jam is sort of passed. You you know you're going to ask it for a 2023 first until there is no 2023 first to trade. Uh, because of which because, no 2023 first move. Yeah, like I, ma- I imagine all the trade conversations were 
can you give us 23 first? And they were told, nope. Uh, now that's over with. Yeah. You can probably, that probably, it opens up conversations a bit because then you can talk more about the 24s and 25s. But the other thing is, now that free agency is over with and some dominoes have toppled in terms of defensemen, are you telling me that, that I'm pretty sure, you know, no, outside of maybe Dmitry Orlov, I don't know if a defenseman better than Noah Hannafin will be available to acquire this offseason. And if you're someone that missed off, missed, you know, missed out on the defenseman that you want, uh, I'd, I'd be willing to accept Noah Hannafin as a consolation prize. I'll give you more if I think he'll sign with me. But mm-hmm. I also think if it's just a he wants to see what's out there and he, you know, give him he'll spend a year with you and you see what it's like. I think that speaks to probably the lower, probably the lower price that you get for him compared to Lindholm. Yeah. But I also think, you know, he's he's a really good defenseman. He can do a lot for you. And I think enough teams are hearing that from the pro scouts that you know. Hopefully sooner or later that uh, that price goes up because as you said, this is coming up the works of it, eh? Yeah. Well, and and as as important as it is, and and I really believe it's important for the Flames to slow slow play. It's the wrong term, but just be patient. Do not rush it, and make sure you get the right move here. It also is jamming them up a little bit. I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that. That the, the Hannafin trade situation and the Lindholm pending decision. It's similar to the Gaudreau stuff last year and to, a, I guess, the same extent, Kachuk. It just, it's delaying them doing other things or maybe not even delaying them. It's just not allowing them to dip their toes in other mm-hmm. pools in free agency or trade. And I think they're okay with that. As much as it's probably frustrating for Conroy to be like, damn, I'd really like to be in on player X or, or in on player Y and, and be maybe in some more high leverage conversations, whether it be free agency or trade, I think they're okay with it because they know that this is not just a one-year thing. As much as they would like to get back to the playoffs next year, Conroy's here for three years at least as general manager. So I think that there's a feel that they would like to – they want to build this the right way and pivot and get it on a track the right way. So, yes, I do think that these Hannafin-Lindholm decisions are jamming things up or or putting them a little behind the eight ball compared to other teams, but I also think they're okay with that. Yeah. And it's way better, it's way more important to get these moves right and get these decisions right than it is to make the decisions hastily and and to get them done be quickly so that you can get in on free agency. Like it's way better to do the former than the latter. Yeah. I mean, I, I think anyone who, that remembers the, uh, the hall the flames got for Dion Phaneuf when that was, you know, in retrospect, would you rather have taken Dion Phaneuf to the draft still on your books and do an auction? Yeah. You probably, in retrospect, you probably would have. And I'm pretty sure as, as maybe more than one team, as frustrating as it is, I, I fans, we know you, we love you. We hear you. We did this dance in 2016 when they were doing the RFA deals for for Monahan and Gaudreau. We did this dance in 2019 when they did the RFA deal for for Kachuk. We did this dance a few times. Yep. But would you rather make knee jerk moves or you rather do the dance and get it right? Yep. That's a really good way of putting it and a really good way to wrap up this hour. He's Pike. I'm Steinberg. We're coming at you and have been coming at you this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement Visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.